Hello and welcome to this discussion from For the Region about the decarbonisation of our buildings and green construction. We are delighted to have some local thought leaders in the room with us this afternoon and we're really talking about this central question that we considered at the Green Recovery Conference a few weeks ago asking how could Swansea lead the way in green construction and the decarbonisation of our buildings. The Swansea Green Recovery Business Conference met a few weeks ago, bringing together businesses and organisations and people from across the city and county of Swansea in particular to talk about what needs to happen across Swansea for us all to embrace new forms of energy, new forms of building, uh, new ways of managing our buildings to decarbonize the existing building stock and make sure that any new construction is much greener and to really address and explore some of the big challenges and obstacles and of course opportunities to make that happen. So we're picking up that discussion again today with a few local businesses and organisations who have great expertise in all of this. Um, and the first thing we'll do this afternoon is invite those partners to introduce themselves to us all. So I'll start by asking Chris Bailey from Specific to say hello. Specific were the sponsor of the buildings area at the Green Recovery Business Conference. Chris, thanks for joining us. Please introduce yourself and your project. Thanks, Dawn. Uh, so yeah, Chris Bailey, uh, Business Development Manager at Specific IKC. So we're, uh, we're an innovation and knowledge centre uh, based at Swansea University, led by Swansea University. Um, and, and our mission is really to um, help transition buildings into a, um, a, a what we call active buildings and encourage that design ethos in buildings by um, utilising otherwise sort of uh, forgotten parts of a building typically your, your facades and obviously the roof for um, generation, making sure that those buildings can store that energy, time shift it, and then release it uh, in, a, in, a, in a, an efficient manner um, as part of a kind of a whole system approach. Um, and in order basically to provide heating power and also transportation energy, i.e. EVs, be that e-bikes, cars, uh, or other means. So Chris, Specific is within Swansea University, it's a resource and an information centre for businesses and organisations that want to explore these new technologies. Do you support businesses in deploying different solutions in, in building projects? Absolutely. Part of the way Specific is funded um, allows us to be able to work with um, SMEs across Wales and the UK to uh, provide access to our uh, facilities, our demonstrator buildings and our expertise across the different research areas that we, we work in. So be that, uh, you know, solar PV, building energy systems, battery storage, um, solar thermal and the heat storage side of things, including interseasonal heat storage, and then looking at um, you know the, the the data that comes from all of those systems and how do you um, how do you, do you collect it and use it efficiently to create say visualizations or um, you know energy dashboards and things like that and actually put the power of, of decision making processes informed decision making processes back into the user's hands um, and we aim for things like never having uncontrolled export from a building for instance so we we're always looking to make a decision about where our energy is either coming from or going to great thank you chris so that's a really valuable resource for any businesses across the region who are looking to uh, increase their understanding and knowledge around all of this i'd love to come next to dave keith from rd group dave introduce yourself you work on so many of these things and run a number of great local businesses what's your take on how best we can decarbonize our buildings hi john and thanks very much hello everybody um chris we've worked with specific for many years we gave you our microgrid capabilities uh, via our schneider partnership to allow you to uh, to look at the export of your power into microgrids and we're doing your battery energy storage system at this moment in time uh, I'm lucky enough uh, in our group of businesses, the Raven Delta Group, which looks at innovation technology and the next generation of what's coming, not what's here, uh, on a global basis. And we've just set up some collaboration agreements with Swansea University, which are now global, and we're bringing projects to the university to look at. Most of that in the construction sector with advanced materials, decarbonization of concrete, 3D building printing, and all sorts of things, and every technology that goes with it. 
A big problem is, and sorry, Chris, to uh, to be uh, against what you said earlier, is value engineering because it's not value engineering. Usually, it's devalue engineering. Um, it is not looking at opex; it's looking at capex. Uh, and the sooner the local authorities and every other investor can look at whole life cycle values, not just the capex of building it, the better. Um, the way that our industry is doing that is we're offering to lease services completely, multi-million pound leases over the duration of a, a lifetime of a building. So you know exactly what your operational costs are going to be for the whole of the, um, the building life. Um, and that also takes away the risk from the building owner in relation to those systems because they remain the responsibility of the person who's leasing it. So you've got a fixed cost for the duration of the lifetime of the building. Um, that also allows you to uh, upgrade those buildings at times when new technologies come in and adjust your lease accordingly to take advantage of the latest technologies. So the construction sector needs to change completely. Um, the way that it's been driven over the last 20 or 30 years is completely against innovation. Uh, it is about that capex all the time. Local authorities, everybody, value engineering, I'm sorry, isn't value engineering. You have to have an enlightened client that client has to understand the full life cycle values, the local authorities especially, because if you're a one-off client and you're a developer just building a building and then selling it on, that's up to you. But with a local authority and with the government buildings, they are tied into them for the life cycle. They are tied into them for the maintenance for that duration. And nobody is valuing that. Everybody looks at how can we cut this CapEx instead of where can we attract, which there are lots of funds available globally as well as in the UK, to assist you in ensuring that OPEX of your building value. You can actually borrow money at special rates to allow you to do so. Everyone just looks at how can we get this CapEx down? What can we cut out? I'm involved with BRIAM, DRIAM, every other initiative that you can think of. We design these buildings, the latest things. And the first thing that happens is a construction company comes on board. Right, what can we cut? What can we get rid of? We've got to reduce this budget. That is not the way to value our buildings in the future. Thanks, Dave. Strong words there about the importance of not value engineering out all the good stuff that's uh, incorporated in the design and management of new buildings. And you mentioned enlightened clients. So I'd like to come to Elvid Roberts from Pobble. Elvid, is Pobble an enlightened client when it comes to building decarbonized buildings? I work for Pobble, uh, we're a large housing association. We've got about 18,000 existing um, homes that we are responsible for attaining for in perpetuity and so obviously um, we do look we do think uh, I, everyone and nobody are quite strong words they I think um, Pobble and organizations like ours certainly do and are starting to uh, put our money where our mouth is when it comes to thinking about the um, the whole life cost of, of a building so yeah um, I mentioned we we have 18,000 homes, um, all of which will need to be retrofitted within the next decade. Um, my, myself, um, I'm head of sustainability and innovation, which is, um, I suppose, a job title that that marks the fact that Pobble is very interested in this space. Every minute of my working day is thinking about ways to improve the way we build things. Sometimes I'm banging my head against brick wall, and at the highest possible levels, I've been encouraged to uh, apply new ways of thinking. So. The good news is, you know, Bobble are currently actively building two schemes in Swansea, uh, which is utilising the Innovation Housing Programme, uh, Biophilic Living right in the city centre, and uh, Gwyn Vine um, further afield, close to um, Gossain and Lucha. And, and both those schemes are enormously important, not just from a Swansea point of view, but from the Wales and UK point of view, where we're innovating of, of, albeit using additional funding, but, but actually building examples. And, and I think that's one of the best ways that Swansea can lead the way is by talking about its examples. Whilst they're in construction, allowing people to see, um, demystify what, what new ways of building uh, actually involve. When people have moved in, hopefully uh, marketing the views, or the positive views, I hope, uh, and listening to the problems of, of people who have moved into homes that are very low carbon in their aspirations. You know, beyond, I would like to say that, you know, beyond the schemes that have received innovation, we, we, we haven't stood still. By now, we're, we're signing off on all new projects, not just in Swansea, but across our area. So we build around 700 to 1,000 homes a year. Many of those are uh, utilising uh, government grant. Uh, so obviously need to achieve EPCA and be off, um, off gas. But we're going way beyond that because we want to uh, address 
um, whole life carbon, because some of those metrics don't just quite allow you to be able to measure the full benefit of, of um, building performance. We now adopt it as a standard for all our new projects going forward, um, sort of a fabric first, low carbon standard, which we will seek to improve as we go through our sort of short, medium and long term journey towards zero carbon. So our board, uh, our investment committee fully recognise that investing more, uh, if a project isn't viable, but it's actually going to help us meet um, zero carbon, our own zero carbon standards, and actually avoid having to um, rather stupidly sort of retrofit new builds in about 10 years. I think we're already uh, we're already prepared to invest more into those homes to make sure that they meet the standard that we set for ourselves. And I think we all, we'll also, at Gwynvine, be able to build um, low carbon homes for sale. You know, anybody can buy one. Um, the, 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 the whole the scheme is 144 homes and there's a, there's, a, there's a home for everyone there, I, I'd like to think. But we're also exploring not just about around energy and carbon, but very heavily spot, um, exploring things like green infrastructure, um, which is self-evident in biophilic living, um, which is an urban um, block of apartments as part of a mixed-use scheme, which has got sort of an urban farm on the roof as well. Uh, and, and right in the city centre on Oxford Street. But we're also um, uh, exploring um, the use of a green roof, for example, on, on a scheme we're, we're currently constructing just off um, Walter Road, uh, using funding from the um, Places of Nature Fund. So we, we, we don't want to just do these things, but we want to talk about them. We want to show and maybe give some leadership and, and inspire others to follow suit. Thanks, Elvid. Yes, I think you've mentioned the Welsh Government's innovative housing programme, which provides that kind of gap funding that enables this kind of really innovative leadership from housing associations and others. And really important message that you've shared there about the importance of celebrating and talking about the really great examples that do exist and, and the importance of demystifying that and perhaps opening the doors to some of those projects to smaller contractors and uh, smaller developers to really t come and see and take the risk and take some of the unknowns out of building differently. Um, we've got Gareth Evans in the room from the Construction Wales Innovation Centre, which is housed within the University of Wales Trinity St David. Gareth, what's your take on all of this? Uh, thank you, Don. Um, yeah, it's really interesting, actually. Um, I suppose from our perspective, we um, we you know focus on um, application of the technologies and application of processes into industry and support industry and academia to um, you know adopt um, the new practices and processes um, and, and sort of you know and, and deliver um, these mechanisms through collaborations. I think you know collaborations key in this area to um, to you know to really um, effectively deliver the outcomes we need. Um, industry and academia, you know, we, we have two, sort of two academic institutions in the room, we have a large amount of industry in the room as well. You know, our our collaboration is is critical to, to see the success, success of this moving forward. Um, and whether that be knowledge transfer opportunities, whether that be showcasing um, showcasing these opportunities to further education, higher education students, because you know these the learners of the future, um, you know are um, you know, are the industry of the future. So you know we need to make sure that um, you know education is sort of set up and teed up, ready to sort of embrace not only now but in the future what sort of what what holds for us. We've we've been do, working a lot, um, you know, on the collaboration side, um, and you know some of the areas that we've been focusing in on, on retrofit being one, and technologies, you know, specifically, we've we've just launched a, um, a project. Um, with um, with zero um, that actually showcases a lot of the um, a lot of the technologies being um, being demonstrated in optimized retrofit projects um, and that module transportable module will um, will be enabled um, with not only the community um, but also the educational sector and industry alike so you know showcasing the tech that gets installed and as, as mentioned earlier Dave mentioned I think you know demystifying what this what, what you know what it looks like we're also sort of very very closely working on the envelope element as well, where we're collaborating again with Wood Knowledge Wales. So we've created a, a strong collaboration with Wood Knowledge Wales in the view of, of Welsh timber and, and Welsh timber products, um, you know, in, in, the, in the sector. We need to be more resilient. I think, you know, in this, this time we're showing ourselves here now, um, you know, that we've, there are so many pressure points on materials and, um, you know, lead times because we're waiting for materials to come from all around the world. 
why can't we be more resilient and use some material to sort of maybe a little bit closer to home? Yeah, we may need to look at some innovation to sort of make that um, and make the product work. But I think you know that's you know that that's where sort of in, uh, academic institutions like ourselves and Swansea can sort of you know can can come to the fore and support industry then to sort of embed you know the, these sort of you know more sustainable practices um, and hybrid practices because you know timber and Welsh timber is not going to be the solution for you know for for it all. We're going to have to embrace other elements to um, to sort of jettison in and support that. So yeah, we we've been very much focused on skills, knowledge, um, and that knowledge transfer between industry and academia. Thanks, Gareth. Yeah, that's really, really interesting to hear about what you're doing in bringing industry and um, students together. I'd like to hear a bit more uh, about that a little bit later on. Thanks for that, Gareth. Jane, let's hear from a woman's voice. A woman's voice. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us, Jane. Okay, so I'm Jane and I work with um, Anning Griffiths Civil Engineering Construction. So we've had quite a number of schemes, um, you know, in, in the Swansea, in the outlying area, and my region is across southwest Wales, although I am involved in the construction of the new Levy Bridge at the moment, so quite an interesting portfolio of work. Um, so we do anything but building, so I'm quite relieved. I'm here very much today to learn. But as a company, we too are very keen and committed to um, all the sustainability, carbon and, and the agenda that we're discussing here today. So um, Griffiths have re revisited the sustainability strategy and we're hoping that our strategy looking forward to 2030 will go live um, at the end of the month. But we're also, uh, Griffiths is owned by Tarmac and ultimately by CRH. So we have, are at the cutting edge of developments of anything that um, in terms of Tarmac, cement, specialists in the field and all of that. So yeah, come, come to this today with sort of um, lots of different aspects of it. Um, and as I say, to learn from others really. But I think, you know, it, we're asked to sort of what would be the big challenge for me um, I'm just feeling a bit old because, you know, this is stuff that I've discussed probably 20 years ago and, you know, wood, Welsh timber, um, all of these things, modulars come and whatever else. And I can some, some other people nodding heads there because for me, um, what we don't want to do is reinvent the wheel. So we'll be talking about new networks and talking about remote sharing stuff. Well, really, you know, I'm sorry, I don't want to be critical of Welsh government by any means, but really you know yes we want private sector to lead yes there's obviously clear role here for public sector clients and all of that discussion but ultimately why is there now not one-stop shop for you to be an old-fashioned term for all this stuff so take on board lots of people are involved here here to learn but that would be my wish list really was to have a one-stop shop where all this stuff gets in and other people, whether it's um, somebody that wants to put in a hydro scheme at the side of their house in a field to a stream, or whether it's one of these massive schemes that could actually pick up that information. So that's me. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Really appreciate you being here today and sort of giving over the views of, I'm sure, a lot of the people that will watch this meeting when we put it out online, that lots of people will be saying the same sort of things and be interested in hearing um, people's advice. Nigel, can I come to you? Uh, good afternoon. So I'm Nigel Phillips. I'm the operations manager for Keir Construction across South Wales. So we build, well, we build everything other than spec housing from 2 million up to 60 million. So we're very much at the I'll call it the blunt end of, of, the, of the operation. I think from listening through this, um, Dave Keith may be surprised to know that I really dislike value engineering. Um, value engineering is, is not a term that really describes what it is. As Dave said, value engineering bears no relation to the, to the building, the operation of the building, the purpose of the building it is purely a commercial exercise to get within a client's perceived budget set by a uh, a cost planner at some point in time. Um, so kind of the beginning point of this journey for me is that um, there needs to be a little bit more education in the in the professional team. So in, in the, um, the PQSs, the cost planners, um, the architects and, and the engineers, both mechanical, electrical and structural. Um, a lot of what I'm building now is still the same as I was building 20 years ago. There's been no change. Some of the um, some of the schemes I see that are supposed to be sustainable are supposed to be in theory using cutting edge technology. I I learned about 20 years ago. There are there are a real problem with some of our consultants. I'll just use a general term in that we are still using old fashioned engineering. We're still coming it from an old fashioned design point of view. All of the stuff that's picked up from Quick in terms of Fabric first, 
all the stuff that comes from specific in terms of building integrated technologies and all of that, that doesn't hit the real world, I'm afraid to say. So we'll do the odd building, um, building. So we helped build the active classroom with, with specific quite a while ago now. And um, at that point in time, I was really hopeful that that would springboard some of those technologies um, into, into everyday construction. I'm still seeing buildings that I haven't started to build yet, but I know I'm putting plant on PV on the roof and it'll be a raised seam roof. And I know building integrated technology works there and it's probably more efficient, um, but it's all led from the consultants and ultimately it's all led from the, the cost plan that's agreed with the client in the first place. So as Dave said, somebody needs to be a bit more forward thinking in terms of CapEx, OpEx, all of the cutting and the VE that we do is primarily around CapEx. There are still barriers between organizations internally in terms of the project department and the, the FM, the maintenance, the operations department in the two cannot mix budgets. They cannot talk to each other. They cannot offset a construction saving, if you like, or a construction expense that would save them in the 25-year timescale a larger amount of money. Um, so from a, from a slightly controversial point of view, I build what other people give me to build. I'd like other people to actually give me the opportunity to build um, new innovative buildings using local materials based on new um, technology. Um, at this point in time, I'd settle you for um, using some fairly well-known technology. Again, comes back to, to CapEx costs. That's probably uh, enough for me. Probably not what you were expecting from a main contractor. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's all a little bit depressing to hear, isn't it? You know, when um, yeah. we've got Gareth from University of Wales, Trinity St. David, talking about um, the ambitions of the university and Chris as well with the ambitions of yeah. the specific project. It's really quite depressing to hear that we don't, you don't feel that we're moving forward in any way, shape or form. Is it about the knowledge of consultants like engineers and architects then? Is it the client? I, I, I believe so. Gareth's already in his head there. So, so to be fair, the client, the client just sets the, the budget. The budget, you can make the budget fit whatever you want the budget to fit, whether you have less yeah. square metres or one less floor or whatever. If, if, the, if the ambition is to be sustainable, and zero energy, then the architects and the engineers, both structural and mechanical electrical, need to be on board with what they're going to do right at the very beginning, at that very concept stage. There's no point coming to me at stage four design with a big concrete frame with SFS and zinc cladding and tell me I want to be zero um, carbon and I want to be sustainable. You've already probably spent more than five up four well I don't know half a million pound in terms of design fees by the time you get to me it, it's it needs to be at that concept stage and perhaps some of the clients um listened to Elvid earlier was was refreshing um majority of what we build is, is is public money um the clients need to be more informed as well so there is there is an education piece and I know people like Gareth and and specific work very hard and there are people that are on this call that know know about it but your run-of-the-mill architects, engineers, and all that, as I said, steam, still seem to be running on 20-year-old on technology. So there is a massive education piece to be done for me. Yeah, thanks, Nigel. I think we'll explore a little bit more of that now as we go forward. Let me just um, get Dom to introduce himself as well. Uh, hi, Dom. Welcome. Hi, Zoe. Thank you. Yeah, so I work for Glanmore Chart Surveyors. So we are commercial property consultants, uh, mainly based in Swansea. Uh, so our, our involvement is typically sort of at the start of these sort of processes in identifying sites and then perhaps towards more the end with identifying occupiers specifically commercial for these sites so uh, i am actually here on a educational journey myself actually so part of my role is to sort of have have a bit more knowledge about this to involve at the early stages and then especially for the occupier identification at the end of these sort of developments to work on exactly what we need to do to satisfy these requirements. So I think it's definitely changing and will force the construction period to change more radically is that end occupiers are being more educated in this area. So certain, especially more national occupiers, whether it be office, retail or industrial are sort of putting more key interests and also the 
sort of the key decision making of where they need to go is very much based on the sort of carbon or sort of energy effects of what the performance of the building is going to be like. So I think it's going to be more and more important for developers to take that on board anyway, um, whether they want to or they have to. So, um, yeah, so my, my position here is really is to get my education on board. I act for more sort of, I'd say, private investors, stakeholders in the city centre who are both sort of freeholders currently or looking to be developers in the city centre. So currently, you know, there's, you might hear the background of mine, I don't know if you can hear it, but there's one going on next door to me in Prince's house. So, you know, there's, there's a key interest to sort of get, get on board with this quite quickly and, you know, at, at the early stages as well. So a one-stop shop that uh, Jane mentioned would be, the, would be ideal just for sort of ease of accessing that education as well to sort of make it as, you know, sort of smooth and streamlined as possible. So yeah, here on an educational basis. Thank you, Dom, and thanks for joining us. Um, Dom, are your clients talking to you about this, these sort of issues? Not, not essentially, because it normally comes in the, the second phase of discussion with your likes of the construction experts, with likes of the architects, etc. Um, but I think it's important for people who do what I do to understand more. So it's, you know, it's more when we're identifying sites, it is a key sort of factor into it. And also the knowledge for we discuss we act for occupiers as well in identifying site lease and having more knowledge as to what they should be requiring what they should be expecting is only going to help really in encouraging again developers to make sure that they are ticking all those boxes so yeah i think um we need to as my profession personally we need to know more in the process as well as other other sort of professions as well thanks dom thanks dave there's a, there's a couple of things there, and uh, Nigella, so very, very refreshing, and uh, Elvid, very refreshing as well. Um, obviously, uh, from Elvid's point of view, uh, we design the houses of tomorrow, mainly with private developers who are buying into the well-being of future generations, because the well-being component brings decarbonization and energy saving and performance as a holistic approach, rather than in isolation. And also in Wales, there's a very, very um, disjointed uh, people are doing lots of things in isolation and people don't, don't see what other people are doing. And it's very much, I, I don't understand why it's in Wales because elsewhere I work, it's not like that. But in Wales, everybody seems to be, I'm doing this and I'm doing that rather than sharing it to the bigger picture. Um, quick, a quick, quick scenario of where we bring best value. From an engineering perspective, we, we undertook recently uh, a 250 million pound project, uh, construction build, yeah where the client uh, at the early stages asked us for opportunities of innovation and technology. We explained that the only way we could bring that was being, design, uh, being involved with the construction design phase, not be given a box and say, what can you do with this? Yeah, uh, it's too late. We're given the U values. We're given the performance of the building. That's no good to us. We need to be involved with the architects at the stages of construction and explain to them what we can do with that building if they can achieve this uh, particular performance. So it much, it's about integrated teams, understanding what the end goals are and understanding what we're all trying to achieve. With this particular project, which was a large project, um, I um, uh, put the proposal or my team put a proposal forward to spend £500,000 more on the building services. Uh, at that point in time, you can imagine what the answer was. Uh, at the end of the day, as a developer, when we finish this, we'd be selling it to a pension company and they'd only, they'd only value it per, per, so much per square foot. So we wouldn't get the money back. Cut the long story short, the developer decided rather than build it to sell, they were going to build it to run themselves for a period of time and then sell it. So what I did was, or what we did as a team, we put a proposal forward to spend that additional money, which they did. Uh, There's £560,000 more on the services. But we give them a guarantee that over a three-year period, they would save that money uh, on the performance of their building. Plus, we underwrote it. But also what happened was when they did after three and a half years sell that building, because we had the evidence of the performance of the building, they had a 12% uplift on the value of the sale because they could demonstrate how that building was performing in relation to others. Now that is an Envision client, which are very, very few and far between. But you've got to, and what we're doing as an industry is trying to get the, the amount of people I meet who say, I, I wish I'd met you uh, three years ago when I was building my building, because I was, I was led by five construction companies into value engineering. I saved three million pounds when I have to do it all again. Yeah, because they didn't take those life cycle values in, into account. 
So it is about, uh, as Nigel and everybody is saying, it's about getting that client on board, getting them to understand those values and getting them to take the brave step of saying, we will spend a million pound more because we're going to save three million in 15 years. Yeah. But somebody has got to break that mold uh, as an industry. We're, we're meeting surveyors in London and all over the country who have been brought up in this horrible value engineering, beat the subcontractor down, valueless um, um, method of, of, of our construction. And we've got to change it. How I say it's a, it's a breakdown of, uh, it's about informing people, making them aware and showing them those values. And like Dom and others, it's about demonstrating to them at the stages they're designing, people need to be working all to the same goal. Thanks so much, Dave. It's great to hear a really a live example about those cost savings and performance enhancements. Thanks so much for that. Elbed. Hey, yeah, thanks. I just want to pick up on a few of the things that have um, the themes discussed. Um, I, I would say that the way we now work on, on a, a new project is completely different from the way we used to work five years ago. I, I'm currently working on two big schemes on SA1 and we're getting the many services engineers involved pre-planning concept stage you know we, we, have, we have set the our ambitions regard, regarding carbon and um, fuel poverty uh, th th those two things are extremely important to uh, to bubble the the, the the idea that everybody's going through a crisis at the moment but certainly people living in in, um, in the homes that we develop on low incomes are really um, we really need to put them at the fore of our thinking so this kind of like capex kind of like um attitude of the past certainly uh, certainly doesn't um ring ring with me now we're, we're completely different the way we work um we we did try to work with the contractor i think procurement um traditional procurement uh regulations or, or competition rules generally mean that you you end up working with a contractor at a, at a much later stage in the in the process than you ideally need to be doing um, to turn that around, uh, we, we were working with um, a local company in um, Ebervale on, on um, two innovative projects in Newport, unfortunately, and the whole idea was that they were, a, they were a, a, an off-site manufacturing company specialising in timber and module, and we were working with them from absolute sort of blank sheet of paper to, to design houses, develop, design for manufacture, so we could, you know, get all the advantages of off-site manufacturing, you know, air tightness, use of timber, uh, but to do that in a way that absolutely harnessed the the, um, the construction methodology and the expertise of the manufacturer, the constructor. Unfortunately, they went into administration. So that the, these are, I think, I'll say as an example, these are quite trying times. But at the same time as we're trying to sort of transform the way we build, um, we are now being hit by an almost equal and opposite force of, of um, market economics um uh, materials uh, pricing are going through the roof uh lack of skills being affected by by things like covid or brexit if i could dare to mention that you know so you know there, there are there are forces that we're trying to sort of fight but nevertheless we're fighting it on um the the, the knowledge sharing side i mentioned in the chat very new idea to me but i recently got involved as part of the steering group for something called the welsh zero carbon performance hub a bit of a long-winded title so they're calling it hub with a W in the middle. Uh, the idea is that it, it, it is very much kind of public driven. Um, so, that, so, you know, maybe that needs to be improved in the future. But they've got three years of funding from Welsh Government. The whole idea is to get a partner that will accelerate learning, share it, uh, undertake valuable studies, build portals, uh, pro provide an A to Z of the sustainability supply chain, give everybody access to it, put good practice and bad practice examples gather all the good and bad ways that, that have been um, um, people have been trying to sort of build innovation schemes. I think it's 64 innovation schemes across Wales. Every single authority's got one. Um, we need to know what's happened. What, what did people's bills come down? What worked best? What didn't? So we can all start to sort of make more informed choices about you know moving forward um, and, and, and to do so using the Welsh supply chain. So there are lots of good ideas going on. I, I really believe this hub thing will, will help to answer some of the, the 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 desire there is out there of people saying surely everybody else is trying to do the same thing but who's 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 sharing the who's sharing the information so i think 
I, I'm impatient. I am very impatient. I want this yesterday. Uh, unfortunately, we can't really have it until the end of the year, but it's it's being worked on. I want to reassure people. Thanks, Eldad. You've brought up some, yeah, I mean, really interesting points um, in terms of getting people involved from the development process from the start. That's something we've heard for years and years. And as you, you know, from the health, as you've mentioned, the barrier of the procurement process, you know, if we understand who our local supply chain is, and we understand um, what everyone is able to provide and get them involved in that very early stage, you're absolutely right. That would be um, a really, really key point on evaluation, find understanding the evaluation of these projects and initiatives, where, as you've mentioned about shouting about different things and celebrating things, where, where do we see that? Where does it, where do we hear about those things? Showcasing the learnings from the whole system skills is again, a key topic. Dave, I know you're chomping to come in, but just as Gareth had his hand up. So it is, like you said, really enlightening to hear sort of, you know, a lot of contractors, um, you know, in around the room saying sort of similar, uh, similar challenges, setting down, especially client knowledge, um, consultant knowledge. You know, I, I, I've seen that really recently on a project that we've been intimately involved in. Um, and, you know, there's that that big CapEx versus OpEx discussion. And, you know, for, for me, the attitude that I say and, and the, you know, the way it's kicking the can down the road, um, you know, that that's the sort of, you know, the, um, you know, the way that I term it. Um, and I think for the region, we've missed a strong opportunity as well. Um, um, you know, I, I, again, I'm not being critical of any funders, but here, but you know, there's a significant amount of funding that being given to, um, being, you know, being sort of you know, dished out over the last number of years, um, and. If I be honest, the only one that's really developed any sort of data from it and performance data and effectiveness is optimised retrofit. Before that, even through you know, um, even through sort of the you know, the um, the various tranches and the last tranche of um, funding through the Swansea City deal, you know, there are projects here in Swansea City in the in the region that should be delivered to a minimum standard. Those projects are not being delivered to a minimum standard because there's no requirement um, to deliver. So, you know, I just see that as a slight sort of, you know, backward step, really, we should be, we should be, um, you know, sort of, you know, where we where there is public funding, other nations have done this. So Scotland, in particular, have embedded this methodology where there's public funding, um, you know, there needs to be innovation, there needs to be the um, and data is a key element of this. And actually, how are these buildings performing? Are they building? And if they're not performing, let's learn from them for the next time. So, you know, it's, um, so yeah, there's, you know, there's a there's sort of a big discussion there. And, you know, it's, it's I, I see, I see the Welsh Government have sort of got it right through optimised retrofit, you know, it's not perfect, but, you know, it is starting to work. Um, you know, the innovative housing programme, you know, as good as it was, and, and as there's many sort of you know, amazing projects with social housing providers that have delivered. Um, there's very little learning from it. Um, you know, we don't know if half the projects have actually delivered what they say we're, they were going to do. Um, so, you know, there's um, you know there's a lot of monitoring going on, and you know it's interesting. You know, Elvid picked up you know design for manufacture. We need you know clients need to be involved from the outset. Clients need clients really need to change the mindset in terms of the performance of buildings rather than it's being measured on the quality of a building. For me now, my mindset would be the performance of a building, a high performing building, an efficient building generally is a good quality building because, you know, if everything else fails, you know, the building's not going to perform. Um, so, you know, it may be, there's, there's again another mindset shift there to say, well, actually, look, you know, part of defects period should be your energy calculations are they telling us you know are they realistic are they actually you know you know not five times um you know the energy usage in the first year than it was supposed to be um you know that type of that type of element so you know it's it, but it's also designed for manufacture and deconstruction there's a circular economy element here as well and it was picked up earlier um you know we we, we design buildings now they have a life so you know part of our sort of you know part of our sort of carbon consideration needs to be that whole life of what we can do with these buildings and there's interesting things being done with around steel leasing and you know you know rather than having you know purchasing products looking at what we can do with them recycling them after you know 50 years down the line when the building comes redundant we need to you know recycle it but let's put a plan in now potentially where we could be so yeah there's you know education i think you know the key here is education awareness raising get into the there's been a lot of work around the skills 
element, you know, so I've seen amazing work with the FE colleges from skills perspective, green skills, you know, a lot of, you know, lower level, I say lower level, but skills based training. What we haven't done is seen a lot of um, seen a lot of, sort of support and funding put into the higher level, which is you know where Nigel picked up, you know the you know the um, the professional um, level where you know in in many cases where the decisions are made, um, and and you know so so but you know by the time it gets to an electrician or plumber, it's too late. It needs to be um, you know the architects, um, the specifiers, and the clients need to be the ones that are well informed. So also, yeah, really interesting. Thank you, Gareth. Dave. Yeah, sorry. Um, sorry, Chris, going back to something you said at the early uh, early start about uh, engineers, you know, understanding technologies and joined up, et cetera, et cetera. The one thing we have to be careful of, and particularly in relation to value, um, engineers that uh, actually are capable of doing those things, yeah, are more expensive, they're highly trained, mm. yeah, but still the model drives, hang on, I want an engineer to do this for me and bring it all together, but hang on a second, you're 2,000 pounds more than somebody else, that's because the values are not being recognised. You want an engineer, you want engineers electrically and mechanically to be able to deliver all these systems that costs hundreds of thousands of pounds of investment into their training plans. And then it comes down to hang on, you're competing against. So you're, you're, you're working with the costs of the day against mm. engineers of yesteryear. Uh, and again, people aren't valuing properly. When we provide a, a tender these days, we provide a breakdown of everything we are doing, everything we are providing for our clients to use as a checklist against everybody else. Because often people are winning it because they aren't including everything. They aren't saying what they're not including. So we actually give a full breakdown of everything that we do so people can say to somebody else, have you done this? Have you got this? Have you got this qualification? Can you do this? And going back to Gareth, what you just said, um, we've just set up a, a new business called W360, Wellbeing 360. And that is about reporting all of the building's performance. Very shortly, the SME sector, as well as the larger sector, are going to be involved with ESG reporting. Yeah, and decarbonization and penalized uh, for uh, not following those plans. Uh, what we've done is both automated that ESG ability, but that's going to be driven down via legislation from the government, which is going to cost all the SME sector, local authorities, every other landlord of every type. It's going to cost them an awful lot of money if they don't start following these things. There's a new uh, British standard coming out next month, which we were involved with BS40102. It will affect Elvid, it will affect everybody else. We are seeing uh, people now um, in the built environment suing their employers for the poor environments they're working in. Uh, the case law that was brought up by Ella Kissa Debra, um, uh, actually on her death certificate, was written about the environment she lived in, was causal to her death. Um, you know, we are going to see a great, great change in our buildings and the environments that we work and live in. And if we don't start doing something now, it's going to cost us all dearly in the long term. And the Welsh Government, in all fairness, with the Future Generations Act, are doing their best. But we need to do better. Thank you, Dave. Um, this has been an incredibly exciting conversation, and I know that anybody watching this is going to um, have lots of um, input as well. Chris, just come to you. Yeah, so I mean, well, we've covered so much ground, I don't know where to begin, but uh, this, like I say, it's a really exciting conversation to be involved in. And um, so touching on a few points there, so you, you just covered it, Dave, as well. I was just about to mention about future uh, well-being, future generations act, and and the fact that we have a unique opportunity, maybe to um, hold uh, our public sector to account in a way that we don't elsewhere in the UK. Um, I hope that that'll become something more common, uh, you know, as time goes on. But th there's a real opportunity to actually use those those metrics to 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 really enact or at least encourage change uh, it seems as though it's something we could pursue legally but whether or not people want to um i, I think there's a few things here that we've got um to to address which are uh, the expectation of buildings so you know why are we building buildings the purpose and what are we trying to achieve and i think that there's there's uh, some things this, this historic point of buildings being that they are somewhere to sit and do something and have uh, to, to use energy um, and and when you start to consider a building as a generator as a, a potential to um, or, or at least for itself to be self-sustaining and to, to minimize its grid impact and and take that whole life cycle account um, of its um, energy uh, carbon sort of reduction or payback over a period of time when I when I say the term value engineering I say it without the inhibition of previous, the, the, the historical usage of it. So I mentioned it before we started recording and talking about it now, I said, said about, you know, there's a place for value engineering. And, and what I mean by that is that 
when once you can consider a building has the opportunity to pay itself back that if you include that and actually prioritize its payback as part of the value engineering that you're you're taking uh, the, the process you're going through it, it what really changes is when you say that is fundamental to a building and you can't remove it so it, it, what what often happens is people will say well things like generating uh, PV, solar thermal, battery storage, those technologies, whatever it might be, there's a whole load of them. They're, nice, they're, they're seen as nice to have. So in reality, if, you, if, you, if, if a building has to have those technologies in order to be viable from a whole system perspective, then value engineering around them is necessary to meet the budget. Right, so it, the point is that it's about that perspective of what what is essential and what isn't. And in my mind, and in specifics mind, those items are essential, and they should not be value engineered out. They should be value engineered around in order to meet a budget. So if that's the case, th there's only so much you can do with that. And I, you know, I appreciate that's a very broad sweeping term, but that's my philosophy on it. Um, Thanks. I, Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much, Chris. Sorry to cut you off. Um, this has been a very strong discussion and lots of um, priorities and issues shared. It's obviously something that's very, very, very close to everybody's heart. Um, I'll just quickly, Nigel, did you want to come in and then Dom? I was just going to say, so, so to be fair to Welsh Government, Welsh Government are driving zero carbon in, in operation very, very hard. They're driving all So where we work with local authorities for schools and, and hospitals. They are driving as, as hard as they can. Um, the clients, to be fair to clients, often want to be able to do it. Um, again, back to the education piece, they don't, they don't quite know how to do it. And they're reliant on their consultants and advisors um, to advise them the best way to do it. And as, as Chris has pointed out, that I think that would be a real step forward if, if somebody could identify to these specialist consultants, designers, what the must-haves are. So, so basically around the, the fabric first principle um, that trying to get into the building integrated PV, the, the specific elements of using the building um, form best you can, rather than just sticking with the old applied later technologies. Um, I, think, I think, as I said, with the Future Generations Act, well-being being built into the buildings, as Dave, I know, pushes hard. If you can build well-being into the building, then, then you take away a lot of the issues in terms of wasted energy as well. Um, so I, I do think that, that the government is pushing hard from their end. Um, my end, we want to do it. Um, there's a gap in the middle that, that needs needs filling in from my point of view. Thanks, Nigel. Engaging consultants is obviously a key point. Um, last word from Dom. Yeah, sorry, I just wanted to sort of raise a key part of sort of any any sort of net zero carbon target is going to be not only what we do with new buildings, but with the existing buildings as well, and what kind of regeneration and things are going to be required. I mean, whether people want to or they're forced to, there's going to be, you know, for example, in 2027, EPC um, targets going to go up from minimum from an E to a C for commercial. So, I mean, the building I'm in now, for example, Princess House, it will be no longer fit for purpose unless it's regenerated. So, I think we, whilst the owner of this building is looking into measures to bring that up to speed now, again, it's sort of maybe whether that Welsh hub that's been talked about in the coming end of the year can include on not only construction of new, you know, materials to bring these sort of in line, it's also what can we do with existing and how, you know, what's going to be the most effective stuff to sort of bring these old 1950s buildings, you know, into where we are in the 21st century. So, yeah, I think I just wanted to add that in and maybe <laughs> ask a question for, um, for Elford just to say, you know, what a, what a, what a Pobble do on existing owners of being one of the largest landlords of you know, current stock. And we're all good to talk about sort of stuff they're building in the future, but what's happening on sort of existing ownership as well. Existing building. Oh yeah, go Elvid. Pobble's got um, funding from WEFO. Um, I, I don't know how people haven't heard about this because it's kind of massive, uh, but it's the single largest optimized retrofit program in, in the UK. I think it, and it's happening in Swansea, the Penderi. We've got 650 homes that are currently being um, retrofitted uh, as, as part of that program. Uh, we're working with Cerro um, and others to, uh, to, to do that. I'm not directly involved in the delivery of that, but obviously I, I work alongside asset management colleagues and others and regeneration colleagues. And, you know, 
seeing as I've been the sort of primary author of our new build strategy, there are lots of tie-ins between the two in terms of, you know, a fabric first approach being the kind of bedrock along with, um, you know, with, with, with um, existing buildings, you know, you have to absolutely understand the, the construction and the fabric and the design because there are so many different building types uh, that to have a one size fits all uh, approach is a recipe for disaster. So, you know, we, 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 we need to be able to share what we've learned, share good and bad experiences. I visited uh, people in the first phase just uh, before Easter and, you know, there were, there were primarily good, good feedback. One or two people a little bit put out by the fact they had scaffolding on their house or contractors kind of traipsing in and out, but primarily, People understood what was happening and understood that it was going to help not just save them money, but you know uh, address climate change as well. So there's lots of good practice, and maybe maybe we need to be more um, more um, sort of communicative about what we're doing. And share with us, Albert, isn't it? You know, for the region, as Jane has mentioned, that sort of well, one-stop shop. Uh, while we're not quite there yet, I hope that for the region is um, an avenue for all of you to be able to share your good practices for whenever, you know, we're driven by our members, you're all members of ours and all your sort of issues, challenges or opportunities that you guys face, hopefully that we can bring people and businesses together um, to sort of co-create solutions to things and be that uh, glue that brings everyone together. I hope you all, you guys all see the value in what For The Region can bring. I know that by attending these meetings and talking so much with great passion really shows um, the, the drive of everybody. It's really exciting and thank you so much. Um, we'll be pulling everything that everybody said into a report, which will um, also go into our Green Recovery Business Report that, for the conference that we held the other day. And um, we'll be picking out some of the points from today's conversation. We'll be happy to bring back, um, bring uh, back together with others as well that maybe not, might not be connected to For the Region at the moment to bring in uh, more people and businesses um, to share ideas uh, about some of the challenges that we face or again, uh, the opportunities. Thank you very much for joining us again. We really appreciate it. And um, we'll look forward to seeing you again next time.